This podcast may contain graphic and or explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners, especially kids like me. <laughs> Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Real Life Podcast brought to you by the Thin Blue Line for Women. In this podcast, We open up and talk about real-life issues as they relate to first responders. It's raw, it's real, and it's about time. I'm Tamara, your host. Thanks for joining me. Are you interested in CSI or forensics? The Forensic Science Academy program has been recognized as the premier training program completely dedicated to students who are launching their forensic career. The Academy offers specialized hands-on training modules in basic and advanced crime scene investigation, forensic photography, fingerprint identification and classification, crime scene management, and coroner investigations. Instruction is offered in the form of weekend workshops, online courses, webinars, and seminars. Training at the Academy of Forensic Science will give students the competitive edge employers and agencies are looking for when hiring. Past graduates are now working as crime scene investigators, private investigators, forensic pathologists, coroner investigators, forensic nurses, forensic accountants, and even criminalists. The courses are taught by forensic professionals who are experts in the field and hold membership in the International Association for Identification and other professional forensic organizations. For more information, visit ForensicScienceAcademy.org. Again, that's ForensicScienceAcademy.org. Don't forget, you can listen to The Real Life Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and on YouTube. Thank you for joining us. I've got a few shout outs here. Just some people that I want to say thank you to for constantly sharing um, things on Twitter that I post and sharing the podcast especially. So here we go. Cami, I have your six. Johnny Socks, Jill Bemmy, H. Clary, Detective Blue Line, Ann Wedig, Benjamin Tyler Smith, Brad Pridgen, Alma with the yellow flower in her hair, Susan in Seattle, Lee Roberts, Susan Neeland, Pat Yon, Janet Roberts, and the 9 p.m. routine. Again, I just want to thank you all for sharing all of uh, my things on Twitter and Facebook and for liking them on Instagram and just for being great followers. And uh, this podcast is really important to me. Um, Not doing it for money, just doing it for fun in my retirement. And I love having the guests on and I love um, hearing from you all that you do like the show and that you do like the episodes. So I really appreciate all of you. Thank you. Thank you. We're back for a second interview with Greg, the broken medic. Now, Greg, the first time I interviewed you back in season one, episode six, you walked us through your training as an EMT officer and a volunteer fireman. We talked about the loss of your sister to a car accident when you were only 10 years old. You told us about losing your 20-year-old son in a car accident uh, when he was on his motorcycle. And you also told us your story of how you were hurt on the job, which ultimately ended your career. Now, I don't know about you, but I received several messages after your episode aired about what a great man you are and what a great interview it was. And a lot of people said how brave you were for telling your story. And I thought it would be nice to have a second interview with you. 
So Greg, the Broken Medic, welcome back to another episode of the Real Life Podcast. And thank you so much for joining me again. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. So at the end of our last episode, you talked about how you like to stay busy. So fill us in and tell us about the progress of your gun shop that you are opening. Everything's going good. Uh, it would have been really good if we would, had tried to open two months earlier than we did. Because <laughs> this whole COVID-19 has basically shut everything down. So we're waiting for our governmental paperwork to come in so we can start ordering our inventory to actually open the doors. So we've basically built it out as much as we could and done as much as we can. And we're just waiting for the craziness to end so we can actually get things on the walls and, and start We're we're excited about it. So, so you, you mean like the electricity's hooked up, the plumbing's hooked up, like everything is finished construction wise, but you just can't order product. That is exactly it. We have, <laughs> we're, we've been paying our rent. We've been paying electricity. We've been paying for water. Uh, we've painted, we've put all the pegboard on the walls. We have merchandise as far as stickers, hats, um, our branding, um, we've got everything done. We've, we've got all of our tools and equipment in the rear. We already have one of the two massive safes, um, installed. We just, we have to wait for our federal firearms license to come in. And once we physically have that in hand, mm -hmm. we can actually order our product. But that license is something that you would get online anyway, right? No, I mean, it, it, you don't have to go in person anywhere. Oh, you have to go in person and apply for that. No, you can apply online. Well, you do apply online. Then, of course, you pay them their fee. They take that money and they run and cash it, of course. And then you have to wait for the ATF <laughs> agent to actually come and inspect your establishment, your, your business. Uh, he comes through and makes sure yeah. that one, you're a legitimate business. And two, that you're up to what they want as far as a gun shop goes. And once you get the thumbs okay. up from them, then you're waiting for the actual license to come in hand. So we have already had our approval. He's already done the inspection. We're just waiting for the mailman oh, okay. to bring the one magic piece of paper to us so we can actually start. Oh, so that's not being slowed down by COVID-19, right? I mean... Are can't, it, can't that it really just is. be printed out and sent? It oh. really is because the inspector, of course, is slowed down because of how mad everything is right now. Because with the sudden rushes to all the gun shops, his job has been amplified 20-fold because he oh. not only has to get us approved, he has to make sure everybody else is doing what they're supposed to be doing during this madness. So... We definitely don't have any that. feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know it's going slow, but we're not blaming anybody. It's just the time right now. It's just bad timing. Yeah. So we'll pay a couple extra months right. of rent and then we yeah. can get going. What's the name of your shop and what city is it in? It's Recon Rifle Works and we are in Orange Park, Florida. Is that near Jack? Jacksonville, Florida. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're we're actually That's... about four miles south of the uh, Duval County line, which is where Jacksonville technically begins. Gotcha. Okay. Will w everyone listening from Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and elsewhere are they going to be able to buy anything online? They will from uh, your store. We are working on the website right now, and. Even the items that require a gun store, they can purchase from us and we can ship to their local gun store. But we're also going to have merchandise, uh, knives, you know, firearms related products, parts for firearms, suppressors. I mean, we're, we're going to be an all-encompassing shop, but we are going to have an active website. We are building it right now and adding products to it, which is a, okay. it's a ton of click and paste is what it is. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh. What is the name of the website? Is it, is it, can you share that with us now or 
Yeah. Is it not ready yet? It's not ready yet. Um, let's see. We have a Facebook and we also have a Instagram and that's Recon Rifle Works. R-E-C-O-N-R-I-F-L-E-W-O-R-K-S. Uh, it's, it's, okay. That's both our Instagram and Facebook. And the website is going to be www.reconrifleworks.com. So you'll be able to go on oh, there. that's easy. Okay. Exactly. It's the name of the shop.com. Easy. Yep. Okay. Are you going to have any thin blue line gear there or fireman gear or anything like oh, that? Of like, course. Like, you know, stickers or paraphernalia? Oh, Yeah. Course. Okay, cool. Yeah. We're even oh. our, awesome. we have an American flag recon rifle works uh, sticker with our logo on it. And one's American flag. Nice. We're going to have a blue line flag and we're going to have a red line flag. That way, you know, we're taking I care of all of our one. Oh, I gotcha. You're going to get a hat and a, we got, awesome. we have these, uh, I don't want to use the extra long ice holding beverage holders. I don't want to use the name brand because I don't want anybody's panties to get in knot. But we have, <laughs> we have those laser engraved with recon rifle works. They look amazing. I'll, I'll get you a little care package. Nice. That's so cool. Okay. So let's get into some fun stuff. Let's talk. Um, I was thinking of some good questions that people might want to know about you. And these were just questions that I kind of want to know too. So if you had to go back and do life over again, would you choose a different profession or would you stay with EMT and firefighter? No, I would do everything the exact same. Yeah, I, I really would. Yeah. You know, I, wow. I honestly okay. feel I made a difference in people's lives. And had I not been, been in that position, maybe things wouldn't have worked out the way they did. So no, I wouldn't change a single thing. True. Okay. Is there a profession that you've always just thought of doing that would be fun? Like something just maybe if you lived a different life? Well, you know, if you could come back say, and live another life, <laughs> say I, I was younger and I flunked out of fire school and EMT and all that, I guess I'd do what everybody else did and became a cop. But other than that, I don't think that uh... <laughs> you think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I basically, I think probably nursing. I, I like the medical field, so I think oh, nursing okay. probably would have been my other go to. Um, my mom, her whole life was a nurse and she retired. She's, she was a retired nurse. So that's, I guess where I kind of got my medical drive from because she'd come home and tell me stories and, you know, that always interested me. So. Right. Right. Okay. So I, I don't know if you saw this, but a couple of weeks ago, maybe just a week ago, I was bored. COVID-19 has me. No. Um, I put on. I put on Twitter uh, a question like, if you could do any profession, what would you do? And you would not believe some of the answers. I mean, they were interesting. Like, I mean, things I never even thought of. I should I should pull it up, but it will take me forever. You know, something that but, I've always wanted I, to do that I know that I could never do. A horse jockey. A horse jockey. Yeah, look at all the money they make, <laughs> but unfortunately, they're like four foot eleven, and they don't weigh three hundred pounds. So. I know, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> I have always wanted to be okay. So before I was a cop, no, nobody knows this. I don't think. I don't think I've told anybody this. Before I became, um, well, this was after my military career. So uh, before I became a sheriff, a deputy sheriff. Um, I wanted to become a flight attendant and I actually got an application, but there was a five year freeze. This was back in 1992. I was 22, 23 ish. And, uh, I, I wanted to be a flight attendant. I wanted to just travel all over. And I thought that was the coolest job ever. And there was a five year freeze. And after that, after the five year freeze was lifted, I, I was already, um, you know, doing what I wanted to do. And five so, year free. Yeah. Holy yeah. There weren't, they were not hiring any flight attendants for five years. I'll never forget that because, and I always, and I always think back to, you know, how God controls everything and God has everything under control. I was thinking, wow, if I would have been a flight attendant, maybe I would have been on one of those planes that, you know, went down in nine 11. Yeah. And so I think of little things like that, you know, yeah, yeah everything. So, always- and I wasn't, Everything works out. You know, you, you're just along for the ride. You just 
you hold on yeah. to the reins and that's what it is. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I have a, a, a girlfriend, little, little things like that. that, that. Attendant, and I guarantee that if I was to sit there and talk to her and get her really deep into thought about nine 11, and she was a flight attendant during that, I guarantee that um, she's going to have some stories about, cause they all work with each other at different times. So, I mean, it's a, it's a community mm-hmm. who knows each other, the pilots and the flight attendants and, I mean, that's oh, yeah. a tight knit community and I can't imagine. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard having brothers that you don't know, brothers and sisters that go and died trying to rescue people or, or people that work for the same company that was up in the tower that you work for and they died in it. You don't have a personal connection with them, but you still feel for them. You know, it, my brother firefighters and, and mm-hmm. died. So a piece of me is gone because of that, but I can't imagine being the flight attendant who actually knew the person, worked with the person, could have flown with them a couple days prior. And they're just like, oh, I'm just going to go right. ahead and shoot home to L.A. real quick and I'll be with the family and everything changes that quick. I can't imagine that. Right. That would, oh, yeah. It's crazy. Oh, that would be I, cool. I'm obsessed with 9-11 stuff. I don't, I don't mean that in a, in a no. weird negative way. I just, I just mean I love 9-11. I watch, I watch it from morning till night every every year when they have all the documentaries on i own so many books i've do it. i've been to the side i've been to flight 93 side i've i've been i've been paying pretty much for flight 93 ever since it happened um yeah i can't I, do it i love i don't know i'm just kind of obsessed with it for some i can't reason. do it it tears me up that tears me up bad um I, no that's what i mean i mean it's 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 absolutely grueling and sad, but I'm, I'm for some reason, I'm just obsessed with learning about it and reading about it. I don't know why. Yeah. It's, I don't know. You know, the, the feeling of helplessness I that I had sitting at the fire station, watching those towers come down and oh. the feeling of helplessness was just unfreaking believable. And I mean, yeah. we had trauma alerts that we couldn't even fly out because when they grounded every aircraft, that included our life flights and our trauma one. So we couldn't even fly out these critical patients. So, you know, it, oh, wow. that, that ripple effect from that happening throughout the country, not just here is absolutely insane. And like I said, just the feeling of helplessness, just sitting there. And yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. And it was honestly one of the slowest days ever, as far as calls went, because Nobody did shit. They just sat there and watched TV in horror and didn't know what to do. Yeah. Like it, it, even bad guys were like all coming together or going, Hey, you know, no. we're, we're America. We got bombed. We got, you know, that is actually attacked. One of probably yeah. the, the only caveats to the entire nine 11 tragedy is how much it drew together our country. That is one of the things mm-hmm. that really, it was heartwarming because at that time, you know, you weren't this, that, or the other, you were Americans. Everybody was an American Mm -hmm. and we all felt pain, you know? So that is the one, the one positive thing that I could actually say that happened from that. Unfortunately, it died away as, as time went on, but that was actually very heartwarming. And the appreciation for both law enforcement and for firefighters and, EMTs, paramedics, and everything. The appreciation after that was absolutely insane. We would have people stop by the oh, station yeah. and just be like, "Here's dinner," and we're like, "What?" Yeah, you know, just out of nowhere, it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it, right? You know, and Aww. you're on scene and you're taking care of, you know, say there, we'd go to Golden Corral with a kid that's uh, having problems breathing. We take care of the patient. We get her loaded up into the the rescue. They pull off and there's like a line of people that want to come up and shake your hand and tell you thank you. And it's like, Aww. all I'm doing is what I've always done. You know, thank my job. Appreciation. <laughs> yeah. But it's almost like you feel bad because it's like, why are you thanking me? I didn't do anything super, you know. And I mean, I'm sure a lot right. of the nurses and the doctors and the EMTs and cops and everybody now, they feel the same way. You know, people coming up because of the COVID-19, mm-hmm. you guys are on the front lines. Right. Oh, my God, how can you do it? Thank you so much. It's hard to take praise when you're just doing your job. It, it, it's it kind of yeah, weird. Right. At least it, it, me, it made me feel weird. And a lot of people I worked with, it was the same. Yeah. But it does make people appreciate How in the world did we get off talking about 
we we're we're digressing here. I don't know how 9-11 was not in my script here. That's what, that's what we <laughs> oh, did. we were talking about professions and flight attendants. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> okay, next question. Where do you see yourself in five years? I really hope sitting right here behind the counter that I'm at right now, taking care of customers. I I am so very excited about this store. And I can't say that I put the work into it because physically I can't put the work into it. I guess I've been the old fat Gandalf in the in the corner directing people, but my my partner is absolutely amazing. He is actually a pediatric trauma nurse as his big boy job, and this is mm-hmm. our baby together. And he's a he's a dear friend and a damn good partner, and he has basically put most of the the blood and sweat into this. And I've helped to my physical abilities, but um, in five years, I want to be right here, being partnered up with 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 my uh, with my partner, and helping people because I'm still helping people, and that's what that's what's going to feel so good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be teaching. Oh yeah, I'm going to be teaching concealed weapons classes. I'm going to be teaching basic pistol classes. I'm going to be teaching all these people that are brand new into firearms how to properly handle them, how to use them, how the laws around them. And a lot of the people I taught years ago for free because they were family of law enforcement, they're so excited mm-hmm. for me to open the shop because now their husbands mm-hmm. are wanting to come in and buy stuff. They're wanting to come in and buy stuff. So things I did for free six years ago is going to be paying off finally. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Good, good. Okay, let's um, switch gears. Okay. Can you tell me, and this, this is going to be negative, Find me two or three or four negative things that you remember about working as an EMT or a firefighter. Negative. What's negative negative things about it? Well, you know, it's really difficult for me to find negatives in it. Um, I would say, you know, sometimes when you're there for your 24 hours and you get the call from the person at three o'clock in the morning that was waiting in the emergency room for three hours because they have a cough that they've had for three weeks, but now they want to go to the ER. Well, they decide to leave the emergency department and go home and basically call their quote unquote taxi to come and take them in the back door. That used to, that used to piss me off pretty bad. <laughs> Okay. That 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 used to really so getting woke getting woken up in the middle of the night when you're on shift anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, waking up in the middle of the night's not even a big deal. But it's like, dude, we're gonna pick you up. We're gonna find out your story because we're gonna get a history, and you're gonna tell me you sat uh-huh. in the ER for three fucking hours, and all of a sudden you left because you want to go in the back door with me. I take you and put you right back in the lobby, and you sit. At the back of the line now right. because you left before. And, you know, it, it, to me, it was almost disrespectful to the profession because I I don't know. It's like, you know, oh, I'm just going to use them to get in the back door. You know, I, I don't know. It, I guess it kind of goes into the – it's a negative because you feel like you're just being used for nothing. But – I guess you kind of have to look at it from their point of view. If they're feeling bad enough to be going to the emergency room at three in the morning, they're not having a good day. And I guess they're trying to find somebody to help them. I mean, we still treated them with respect. I mean, you've got an integrity that you have to maintain and you can't look at the person and go, really? Are you really serious? You want to say that, but you can't. (laughs) So you take their vitals, you know, you, you, get a history on them. You find out, you know, what's going on with them. And you, you just tell the, uh, the people in the emergency room that this is an excellent candidate for triage and we'll see you in five minutes and they go straight back out. (laughs) But that's, so that's the only negative thing you can think of. Yeah. I mean, of course it sucks having to go out there and, and polish all of the diamond plate and you have to make sure the truck washed (laughs) at every shift. And, but you know, that's, it's a blue collar job and we're doing blue collar work. Uh-huh. So it doesn't suck. It's not a negative, 
But I mean, you have to go out there and actually do okay. something instead of holding down a recliner like everybody thinks right. you do. Right, right. Okay, so tell me some positive things about working as an EMT and or a firefighter. Dude, I got paid to sleep. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's why all the cops hate you. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why they came in and they washed the dog crap off their boots in our kitchen sink. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, I wanted to choke that lady when she did that. Okay, five positive things. Come on. Okay. Pop. Five in a row. Let's Dude, hear them. I can come up with that. Well, positive things. First off, positive. I get to drive code every time I go on a call almost. So neener, neener. That's a positive. Okay. Um, That's one. Okay. Number two. You're, you're honestly helping people. You are making a difference. You can't deny that. Um, I'll use that as okay. number two. Um, okay. Number three we can really make the community itself look good and do good. By that, I mean by the way we carry ourselves, by the way we treat the community, and also by the interactions we used to do with the community. I loved it. On like a national night out, we would go out with the engines, show the kids around. Sometimes we would go to a Boy Scout uh -huh. camp and we'd fire up the deck gun, and I'd sit there and bowl these kids over like bowling pins with a deck gun. <laughs> And, <laughs> and what's a debt gun i don't know what that is debt gun it's a it's a big um fixed hose on the top of an engine that just puts out thousands of oh. gallons of water i mean it 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 could uh, be used okay. it could be used as a weapon if you're not careful so we would get to a point yeah, where we would say. pull the kids down and back it off just a little bit and of course they're all uh -huh. having fun um <laughs> So the community, so community relations community is relations, number three. Community interaction. Um, okay, there's, there's no feeling better than saving a life. There's, there is absolutely no feeling better in the world. Um, when you sat there and worked on Granny for 50 minutes in the driveway and drive her to the hospital, she codes two more times on the way to the hospital, you get her there and you find out that she walked out a week later because of the work you did. You can't beat that feeling. So that's awesome. That one is awesome. And really, honestly, number five, number five is everybody looks at you like you're a hero. I mean, you're running into stuff that people are running away from. You've got flames rolling like out of the a cops. building. Yeah, exactly. You've got flames running out of the building. You're running in unless there's ammunition going off in the corner. Then you run back out. But um, <laughs> right, right. Car crashes. Safety first. Safety third. Um, car crashes, you know, you're, you're running in and you're trying to help somebody as fast as they can, you know, and, and you're, you're making that honest difference of, of being the hero of saving the lives. And that was a pretty good feeling. It kind of makes you walk around with chest puffed out. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm sure I know you have more, but oh, that's yeah. good. Five. You I, in code, I honestly helping go people, community community relations, saving lives and hero. Okay. I like those. Those are good. Now here's a tough, here's a tough question. Oh boy. Were you ever faced with any ethical dilemmas while on the job? And if so, how did you handle it? Yes. Just like a, a, a police officer, you have these ethical dilemmas. You're going up and there's a drunk driver that just killed the dad and the mom and there's a baby in the back that we're fighting to keep alive and the drunk drivers tore up you still have to go and help him you can't devote all of your resources to just the kid you have to try to help the drunk guy and you can't have animosity towards him you know he is a patient and in your head back of your head you might be like this guy's an asshole but he is still a patient and it is mm -hmm. your job to put your personal feelings aside and you treat the patient just like you would anybody else. I don't care if it's the president of the United States, so, or if it's the jerk off that went and killed a family, you have to treat them like a patient. And sometimes it's difficult, but you, that's where your yeah. fortitude comes up and you, you, you treat them properly. You have to. So were you ever faced with that personally? Like, did you, Yes. Did you come yeah. across that a lot? We Okay. We've had okay. that. Another ethical what about one is um here's another one. We went to a 
suicide, quote unquote, attempt. Uh, we get there. The guy legit planned his entire suicide out. He um, try he went on his back porch so that way his family wouldn't have to live inside of a house that had something go on. I mean, he put a towel over his head trying to keep the, the mess to a minimum. Um, he shot in a direction away from the house. I mean, he did everything he could to try to keep trauma from his family, but his life at that time with his illnesses and stuff, he felt like ending it was going to be the answer. Well, we get there and of course he shot himself through the head, but he shot himself through the head with a 44 caliber. It was, it was a large round. So there's brain matter and I mean, it's obvious this man will not and cannot live from this. However, comma, when we show up, we have to verify that the, the patient has expired. So we run a strip on him to, in, in order to call a code. His heart's quivering. Technically, he's got a beat. We have to work that. Mm-hmm. You can't just say this dude's never going to live. This guy, it just it, it isn't going to work. You know, I mean, it, it, you you have to work it. You you can't you can't just sit there and say to heck with it. It's done. You know, and you know that yeah. if yeah, you know, God forbid, if the guy was to survive, would it be helping the family? Probably not. Would it help him? Definitely not. But there's a sign of life in your job. You have to work on that sign of life so that there's yeah, it's not your call to make yeah. it is not it is not we're not god right you know so wow there was there was quite a quite a few instances such as those that that um you really have to ask yourself you know is this the right thing to do for the patient for the family for everything and even if it doesn't seem like it's the right thing to do it's ethically and morally the thing that you have to do so right right Okay. Awesome. Good job. I'm going to have some questions for you after the break about COVID-19. We will be right back. Quick break. All right. Are you looking for Thin Blue Line gear? It's available on our website at thinbluelineforwomen.com. That's thinbluelineforwomen.com. The number four, women.com. Show your support for law enforcement and get your Thin Blue Line gear today. Just click on shop at thinbluelineforwomen.com. Have you ever wondered what being a part of CSI is really like? If so, here's your chance to experience it. My book titled Through My Eyes, CSI Memoirs That Haunt the Soul, contains 11 personal accounts of the most grueling and heartbreaking crime scenes I worked during my 15 years in the Crime Scene Investigations Unit. While reading my book, you'll walk inside the crime scene tape with me. You'll catch a glimpse of what I saw, touched, smelled, and even tasted during an average workday. I'll take you on a difficult journey of memories, uncovering layers of emotional trauma left behind. So if you're considering a job in CSI, this is the book for you. Or if you're just wondering what it's like to work in CSI, again, this is the book for you. Through My Eyes is available in the ebook format and paperback on Amazon. And we're back from break. All right, Greg, the broken medic, is who we are speaking with. What standard EMT practices have changed in the past couple of months since COVID-19 came into our lives? From what I've been seeing, it's it's all PPE. It's all trying to protect you because like we said in the the first interview, you can't help anybody else if you don't take care of number one. So they're gowning up, they're donning masks, you know, some have face shields. Um, I mean, we always use gloves whenever we have contact with people, or at least we should, but you know, now that's you know definitely prevalent. But the big thing is the gowns and the masks. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of them wearing even goggles and, and face shields and that, that in theory is trying to keep the uh, the spray of someone's coughing off of you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ugh. realistically, how much does it help? I don't know. This this strain is actually pretty rough because it can survive on surfaces for quite a while. So uh, 
you know, as long as you're properly using your PPE, I can see maybe it's making a difference, but the droplets are going to go through the little, little gowns onto your shirt. That, I don't know. I think that would scare the hell out of me if I had somebody that was actually positive. I don't know. Yeah, yeah me too. I know there's a 97, 98% survival rate, but you know what? My luck that I've had in the past, my ass <laughs> is part of the 3%. <laughs> I know. And that's how I'm treating it because it scares me to death. I mean, I'm, I feel healthy. I am healthy. I'm 50. But still, it's like, I don't, I, I don't want to chance this. I read the other day that it's 10 times as contagious as the flu. Wow. That's high. That's because to me. it I mean, survives that's, on surfaces uh, so much longer. You know, oh, they, yeah, they yeah. Three-ish three days, I guess. And it can survive on clothing. It can survive on everything. Yeah, the only thing crazy. it kills it is, here's a theory, wash your damn hands and don't exactly. touch everything. I mean, it's just, you know, don't touch right. your face. Keep your hands clean. Something that right. mommy told you yeah. since you were two or even younger, but people seem to forget about. Um, but yeah, that that's a big thing. The PPE that everybody's been wearing, um, even watching, say, live PD, uh, you're watching the cops over in Pomona, you're watching the guys in Berkeley everywhere, and they're donning masks, you know, before they go in contact right, weird. With, with the person. They've, they're yeah. putting gloves on. So even for law enforcement, they have an even larger step to take with trying to prevent themselves from getting sick from just the average person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. they're not That's used crazy. to putting just regular latex gloves on to touch somebody. We were, but mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they have to jump out of the car and get hands on fast. Now you've got a dilemma. Okay. Oh, yeah. Am I going to risk getting sick because I have to tackle this guy or hold on? Let me put right, my right. mask on. I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah. times right now. I'm telling you. It is. So are you glad that you're not working right now with amongst all this COVID-19? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, but, but, but before the break, you were very much into, I like to help people and I want to save a life and I want to be a hero. So I'll ask that question again. Are you glad you're not working (laughs) during COVID-19? I'm glad I worked when I did. I mean, I would, I would be doing the same thing. I would be gloving up every time and, I would be wearing the PPE. The big thing would be just like cops. I mean, you, you, you put yourself out there and when you're on the job, you're really not afraid of hurting yourself, but this you can take home to your family. That's the part that I, Mm -hmm. it scares the shit out of me. Um, This doesn't take you out. You could take it home to your family. Hell, you could carry it and not get sick and your whole family can get Mm -hmm. sick from it. And I would yeah, have a weird. huge problem with that. So do I, do I care if I was out there right now doing that? No, not at all. But I wouldn't want to have something that contagious that can come back on me and go with my family. So, I mean, we, we yeah. had a nurse, a, a, actually it was a, a paramedic that was working at a hospital downtown Jacksonville here who has a son in hospice. He's five years old. And she had to give up her job and go in quarantine for 14 days in order to try to be with her son, who is under hospice care at five years old. And the community had a huge outreach. And lucky for her, they were able to donate some money so her salary isn't going to be affected from it. But I can't imagine, I mean, one, one enough having your son in hospice, but then having this damn COVID-19 that is preventing you from going home and being, or going to the hospital right. center or whatever, and being yeah. able to see your child, I can't yeah. imagine what was going through that poor lady's mind. I, I can't even fathom that. And that's and the coming. child's mind, like, where's my mom? Yeah, <laughs> a five-year-old mom doesn't understand. Me? Yeah, five-year-old has yeah. no clue. And, you know, as, as a father who has lost a child, I can't imagine what she's going through mentally just having a five-year-old in hospice. And then you've got this damn COVID-19 that's going to be affecting your work and you being able to see your child that who knows how much mm-hmm. time he has left. So, um, right, right. 
you know, that, that, that's kind of a double-edged question. Do, do I wish that I could still be working with COVID-19 out there? It's, that, that is a difficult one because, yes, it does feel great to help people, but it would also really, 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 really affect me if I brought something home to my family. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, the last part of the job that I did, I was a sergeant in the jail, and there's no clean air in there. It's all recycled, and everyone's breathing the same crap. You know that that would actually make me really nervous to to work in a jail. Um, I, I I was always always sick when I worked in the jail. Always, I always had a cold. I was always sick. I, um, even as a sergeant. Uh, right before I retired, I had pneumonia. I mean, there's just so many germs being passed all the time. And since I have been retired, I have not had one cold and I have not been sick at all. And it's been almost four years. And I'm not wow. joking. I'm not kidding at all. I, I'm not sick. Because and that's not why they're releasing germs, I guess. In of locking them up. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, down here in the South, I'm sure as you know, we're playing the game of is it allergies or COVID nineteen? Because oh, you have we've got, no idea. We've I know got what you mean. Pollen <laughs> that is just insane, and you're like every time yep. your throat itches, it's like oh shit, am I dying? And it's like I know. You pick up a Benadryl, and all of a sudden you wake up and you're fine. It's like okay, I'm good. <laughs> okay, so I was born and raised in California, Sacramento, the capital, which is, in my opinion, pollen capital of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I've only been in Tennessee uh, about four years, but we have pollen here too in Tennessee. And and you're right. Every time I cough, I'm like, oh no. And so <laughs> I I try to monitor. And how many times have I coughed today? Oh, only three. Okay, so I don't have COVID nineteen. <laughs> and my daughter's like, Mom, will you chill out? You just go take your allergy pill. I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot to take it today. Exactly. Oh man, daily allergy pill. It makes me nervous. I know. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, some fun questions to end our our interview. Mm-hmm. Coffee or tea for you? Tea, tea, tea. tea. I hate coffee. Sweet tea or just regular tea? Honestly, I'll do both. Um, I prefer sweet tea. Um, yeah. My tea is always going to be iced. But um, okay. you know, sweet tea gets my di- diabetes all worked up. So I have to partake in the <laughs> quite often. All right. Your favorite type of food? Ooh, I'd say pizza. I could eat that like, five days a week. Are you serious? Oh, my really? God, yes. Oh yeah, I'm like a. You're not like gonna say like burger. steak or lobster or something like that or Italian, just pizza. I could cook the hell out of a steak, but well, I guess, no pizza. But I guess pizza is Italian, so <laughs> okay. So pizza, uh, got it. Italian, it is. Your favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chocolate chip. Ugh, gross. Oh, dude, you are broken. Sorry. <laughs> you are more broken than me. I don't like mint. It's ugh, it's nasty. A good a good second would be the uh, cookies and cream. Oh, I can't do that either. I like you chocolate would, chip cookie dough. Wrong with you. Favorite. Oh, cookie dough. I don't know. I don't know. I'm weird. And okay, beach or mountains? Mountains. Yeah. Yep. I live in Florida with all the cool beaches. Yeah, because the beaches suck. Um, how many mountains have what? been closed down? <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah all right end of discussion <laughs> hey no they've closed they've closed state parks all every single state park has been closed right yeah it has yeah and uh, and they and those, closed where all the mountains are and jacksonville's getting a rash of shit nationally because they opened the beaches which is it's stupid i to me. saw if, that yesterday you're gonna open them i saw that yesterday <gasps> don't make people go from nine to eleven or from five to nine, because what you're doing is you're funneling all Ooh, these damn people I at the know, same time weird. on the beach. Who the hell? I didn't know they were doing that. That's weird. Yes. From nine, know. from nine in the morning until eleven, and then they will legit like arrest your ass at eleven o six, and then from five <laughs> in the afternoon until nine. And what you're doing? Yeah, is you're, that's weird. You're funneling all these people that could potentially be yeah. sick and having them walking and fishing and walking the dog and doing whatever they at do at the same time. At the same time, where if you left the beaches open, they could scatter in at six, they could scatter in at midnight, whatever. But no, we got to funnel yeah, them. Yeah, noon. 
And then we're going to cry about the huge outbreak. That's weird. This whole thing's been led by the media anyway. Well, okay, I'm going to say something about that. (laughs) I don't love the media, but ever since I've been in CSI, I don't watch the news. I try my hardest not to watch the news. It's And during this COVID-19, I look at my screen and I watch the news every single day now. And because I feel like I have to be, uh, you know, on top of things because I, it, it scares me. Is. That's exactly it. They are working well, with people's fears I, and they are driving. I can't well, say they're driving I'm, their I'm agenda, trying, but they're I'm, feeding off of it. I know, but I'm, but I, I, okay. I have to tend to not agree with you a little bit because the media still has to inform us. And so that's, they're doing their job by informing us. And if they're not doing that, then where am I going to get my, my information from to stay healthy or like how, how, you know how to stay healthy, wash your hands. Well, I get that. Well, I, (laughs) I know, but like things like, like it, like, I don't know. I just like to learn about, about, um, Shut up, Greg. Don't be it's mean your, to it's me. your new 9-11. Oh, I got it. No, 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 no. I just, I just, I feel like I need to stay informed. I don't know. Like, like, I want to know. Now, you're like, COVID-19, like, I'm doing my research. Never mind. <laughs> uh, we're over it. I'm done. I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm just don't be hating. Greg. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Leave us with something super positive about anything just just let's do something positive because COVID-19 sucks um death sucks um I don't want to talk about that anymore leave us leave this interview with something positive anything a quote something in your mind I don't know anything shoot be there for people you know don't turn a blind eye if you see someone that needs help help them you don't have to be in a position of a law enforcement or firefighter if you see someone that needs help help them if you see a homeless guy offer him a bottle of water you know, just we're all human. Oh. We're all in the same thing. And that's that's it. You know, we're, we're all here. We should take care of each other. We're all just along for the ride. And you know, being ugly to people doesn't make you a good person. It doesn't make you a bad person. But, you know, what does ruining someone's day do for you? It doesn't do anything. It feels good when you make someone's day. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're a good person at heart. Then it yeah, feels good. Yeah. So some people could even evil person. It. See, I mean, just throwing a bottle of water at somebody and saying, here you go. You know, just the thank you that you can get from that, the genuine smile you get from somebody and the thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I mean, look at, okay, on Live Rescue uh, up there uh, by uh, Sacramento, I believe it was, or San Bernardino, excuse me, the uh, captain that was handing out belts. All these homeless guys are running around with their pants falling off because they don't have a simple belt. He hands out belts and it completely made their life. It was like he handed them the keys to a Ferrari. It was absolutely amazing to watch. So everybody starts sending him belts. So he legitimately is slinging belts at the homeless community there because it's so much. So something simple like a damn belt, something you and I don't even think of. Right. I mean, I don't leave the house without one because with my not girlish <laughs> my pants would be at my ankles and I'd probably be in jail. But you know, something as simple as a belt can make someone's day or make someone's life. You know, give them a bottle I of water. I know what you mean. You know, it, it just, yeah. just be nice to people. The other day, my daughter and I were walking out of the dollar store looking for toilet paper, and we did not find it, of course. But there is a homeless man sitting there, and um, and I said, Grace, hold on a second. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna ask this man if he wants something to eat. And she's I've taught her a lot about safety, so she will not, you know, go up there with me. She stays at the car. She knows what to do. Uh, but I, I approached him and I said, I yeah, I said, what would you like to eat? I'm gonna go back inside and we're gonna get you some food and something to drink. So what would you like? And he told me what he wanted. Um, and all he wanted was a box of crackers and a soda. That's all he requested. And I said can I get you a water too? Because you should be drinking water, then your soda. And he laughed. And then, and then I, I brought it out to him, but you know, it made me feel good. Just you know, I have like done five the bucks, exact I don't know, thing. whatever. And it just felt good to help I have him. I've done the exact you know? same thing. I was downtown Jacksonville one time and there's a huge homeless um, population downtown. 
and I was at the UPS store taking care of business and there's a subway next door. So I went in, this guy came in, obviously homeless. I mean, the guy reeked, he was dirty, but one of the most polite men I've ever talked to. So he's behind me. I'm getting my sandwich made and getting everything. He's behind me. He's getting his sandwiches made or sandwich made, excuse me. And, um, I went and checked out. And I just told the person checking me out, I was like, I want to be rang up for a combo. Um, so I, I just want to go ahead and get that. And I want to pay for his sandwich. And the guy was like, oh, okay, cool. Aww. And so I paid for his sandwich and I gave him my drink and chips. And I just took my, oh, I wanted was a sandwich. I had a drink in the car. So I just took my sandwich out, gave him the chips and the drink. And he got a sandwich for free. Didn't cost him anything. And that five bucks might have been all he made for weeks, you know, and he's going to go in there and buy right, a sandwich. Right. It. Yeah. So, you know, it just, I had the five bucks at the time. So I was like, Hey, here you go. You know, it's just yeah, it's the same thing. I know. I, I love doing with, that. I walked out with my chest puffed out, made me feel good. You know what? I, I made someone's Aww. day. So yeah. Yeah. If people need to do that. Look out for each other. Yeah. Yeah. So during this COVID-19, if you have extra toilet paper, share it with me. No, I'm kidding. I have enough. I'm just joking. I, I could send you a couple. Yeah. No, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can you mail me some? Stuff. I got the fluffy stuff. <laughs> oh, gosh. Charmin. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, thank I'm, you it's, it's, again. I really appreciate you coming on again. Um, you're a wonderful guest. You always have a great positive outlook on everything. And after losing two people in your life that are super, super, super close to you, I can't imagine what you've gone through in your life. But every time I talk to you, you're positive, you're you're, you're, you're always in a good mood. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for everything. And I just appreciate you being on the show again. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. That was my second interview with Greg, the broken medic. He's such a sweet man who's lost so much in his life. Yet in spite of it all, he has such a good attitude and outlook on life. He really deserves happiness and I wish him all the best with his gun store. If you missed out on my first interview with Greg, you can catch that in season one, episode six. Join me next week when I talk with an officer who's been on the job for 18 years and has responded to some difficult scenes of his own. We talk about the importance of having a support system in place and how his wife is the most important person for that role. I'll see you next week. The Real Life Podcast was recorded and is being made available by Anchor.fm and its affiliates, solely for the informational and entertainment purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided and or expressed on the Real Life Podcast are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers, and are responsible for all show content and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the agencies and communities that the guests may serve. Some parts of the Real Life Podcast may contain adult content intended for people who are 18 years of age or older. Please listen responsibly.